All right, when you, uh, um, Zach went around the room a while ago and handed out a paper. So uh, it's called, What is a Rhema? That's my sermon tonight, What's a Rhema? Um, how many of y'all remember what we preached on last Wednesday night? Does anybody even know? Hmm? 2.0. We've been talking about hope. Remember we've been talking about faith and hope. And remember we talked about your imagination and how you use your imagination. So often when you come to a church like this, you hear sermons on faith. Now, there's a problem with you hearing it and not understanding what you're supposed to be doing. Because you mentally assent. What I mean by that is that you go, I agree with that scripture. Well, even though you agree with that scripture, that scripture is not real to you. That scripture is not doing you any good. Because you read it, and you heard it, and you believe it. Until you learn it. Until you know that you know it. Now that happens from looking at it, meditating on it, confessing it. So what I have done for you is to put down 12 very important scriptures. Now, what I'm doing this for is I'm hoping it will cause you to begin picking up a paper when you're reading your Bible in the morning. You can use your Bible, but start reading them, confess them, and meditate on them. And, and I'm going to go over one of those scriptures tonight in detail. Maybe we'll pick three or four or five of them. Maybe we'll go over all of them. I don't know yet. But, but uh, I want to read a few of them, that, and, and I'll, we'll get into what I do and how I do it. I've never set out to memorize a scripture in my life. I, I read it over and over and over in order to understand it, and in the process, uh, I, I memorize it. Now, that may seem odd because sometimes I'll memorize three verses, first, second, third, and fifth. <laughs> I know, that may sound weird. And so, um, and so I have scriptures that helped me all of my life. I mean, when I learned these, it was like, oh, yeah, oh, my God. That, that's Because, you know, Jesus said, you'll know the truth, truth sets you free. Yeah. Right. So before we get started, let's go over a couple of these. First one is 2 Corinthians 5.17. That's my favorite scripture in the Bible. If anyone is in Christed, now we're going to go over this later, not tonight. He's a new creation. Amplified says new species of being. All of your old passed away and everything is new. There is nothing in your spirit right now from the old man before you prayed. Nothing. You are a new person. Now, Learning this scripture is where I learned because most Christians, when you go to church, almost every church teaches you that you're on a journey to become. Well, you are in your soul, but you are not. You've arrived. You started off on day one perfect. Now that... It, that is mind-boggling, but it's so freeing yeah. to realize that when the devil comes at you and starts attacking you, you're like, uh, excuse me, Jose, but I'm complete and I'm already perfect. Now, do you understand, scriptures like this on in him realities, who you are in Jesus, 
when Jesus rose from the dead, you rose. And he was made perfect. You were made perfect because you and him are one person. So that scripture alone, let me read it again. And so I, I take this scripture and I personalize it. If anyone is in Christ, that would be me. I'm a brand new creation. All the old passed away and everything in me is brand spanking new. Everything in me is new. Everything in my life is new. There is nothing of the old man around. I am not the old man. I am a new man, and I am made in him, and I am made perfect in him. That's just a powerful thing to say and to memorize, just to know this. All right, next one, number two, Ephesians 2. For by grace, unmerited favor, you are saved through faith, not of myself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest I boast. Now, when the devil comes at you and goes, you're not saved, you're no good, you're like, excuse me? So you remember that when Jesus was in the wilderness and and the devil tempted him, he quoted scripture to him. Get in the habit of reading these out loud. I mean, I suggest you read them every day. Read all 12 of them three or four times every day. Every time you eat, just read them. Get to where you know these. Get to where you know these. And I made it easy because sometimes the fact that you have to go find it in your Bible, I know you, I know you, you kind of get about lazy on the fifth scripture and go, I've read enough today. Because you spent half your time just trying to find it. Okay. Number three, who was delivered because of our offense, he was raised to make me righteous. Having been made righteous by faith, I have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Powerful, powerful scripture. Now, there's many more, but we're going to get to number four here, and we're going to stop. Cast all of my cares on him because he cares for me. I would say, I I quote that scripture every morning. Now, we're going to start now with how I live some of my life. Worry has probably been one of my big faults. I'm the only one in the room. It, it, I, I realize that. No, no I'm not. Rose, you ever were? Yes. Kenneth Hagin said that the biggest sin he's ever had to overcome was the sin of worry. And when he was on his deathbed as a 16-year-old boy, until he dealt with worry, he said, I never would have been able to get in faith and get healed. What a powerful thing. Because he's trying to, he's worried about dying. I know that sounds like, well, that's something to worry about. I mean, he's going to die. Apparently not. I mean, you and I aren't supposed to worry about anything, be anxious for nothing. So, so I, when I wake up in the morning, I'm just going to give you my morning. When my eyes open, I want to start my day. I already know. I'm headed into, people and devils have an agenda planned. Sometimes devils, but devils use peoples. And stuff's going to happen. And I, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing out of my mouth when I open up, sometimes I'll say, glory to God, thank you, Jesus, I'm saved and washed in the blood. But before I ever, my feet hit the ground, I go, I cast all of my cares, all of my worries, all of my concerns on the Lord. Nothing will happen to me today. 
that me and God cannot handle. If God is for me, who could be against me? I don't have a care. Now, you know, what, 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 let me tell you something. What a way to start your day. You know, going to church is good. Reading your Bible is good. And all these things we do. But, but the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. But that word in the Greek, in Romans 5.17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word is not logos. The Bible, the word of God, the Greek word for word is logos. In the beginning was the logos, the word. The word was with God. The word was God, the logos. That's the book. This is logos. So the word rhema is the written word, Spoken. When the word is spoken, it becomes a rhema word. Now, faith doesn't come by the Logos. Doesn't come because you have a Bible. And it doesn't come because you read it. It comes when you hear it. Well, you can't always be in a position where you're always hearing. You can listen to CDs, you listen to tapes, you can listen to preaching. But, what, but you need a very specific word every day of your life. So in the morning, I say the word so I can hear the word. Faith comes by hearing. Well, if I want to hear it, I'm going to say it. I don't just think it. I say it. Lisa's in there making coffee or breakfast. She knows when I'm awake because the first thing she hears is me in there quoting the word of God. She knows, well, he's at least awake and getting ready to get out of bed because I hear him talking. It's, listen, and I'm going to say this to you. I've been through plenty of hell, even saved. Anybody else? Am I the only one? Y'all ever been through stuff? Get ready before something happens. Don't wait until all hell breaks loose and go, where is my Bible? I've gotten to where now I find my Bible. I'm on the word before the devil ever wakes up in the morning. I go, I am on you before you even tempt me. I'm on you. So, so I'm going to go over this scripture with you right now. And I want to go over with you on why I, why I say that, what it means to me, and what it is. What do I mean when I say I don't have a care? And I don't. I am absolutely, it, it, if Jesus said to be worry-free, apparently you can. So you may have to say, I can be worry-free. It is possible to be worry-free, and I will be worry-free. Now, why do we worry? Because God is not big enough to fix your problem. Is he? Yes. Yeah, he is. Will he? Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to read this again, and then we're going to go. Cast all your cares on him, for he cares. Say he cares. He cares. Say it again. He cares. He cares. Say he cares, he cares. About, me. about me. Say he cares about me. He is concerned about me. He'll take care of me. Now see, all you're doing is taking one verse and just... This is kind of like you're gonna. The word meditate means to mutter. Yeah. When you're, you ever see people muttering and walk around? Somebody have to tell you, they said this and they said this and I said that and I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna tell you. That's muttering. Well, 
muttering is worry in the word. It sounds like this. I'll tell you, the, I'll tell you what, right now, God is so big, he's going to take good care of me today. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, oh my God, I'm looking at my morning and it's so big. Uh, the God I serve is, he's awesome. Now, that's the opposite of, oh, my God, what am I going to do? All hell's breaking loose. And, I, you know, see, it's the opposite of worry. But because you mutter worry, you need to mutter faith. And you need to get in the habit of doing it. Once you do it and do it and do it and do it, it becomes habitual. You do it almost without thinking. How many of y'all remember when you first started praying in tongues? You kind of had to kind of go, you kind of got spiritual. You know, you kind of went, hum. And then you had a thought, do I pray in English first or tongues first? Which one's scriptural? And you had all this, you, you know, you know how you did. Your brain's going, that sounds like baby gibber. All right. After you do it a while, you find yourself going, and you're just going through your day, and someone goes, oh, you're talking to someone, you go, Oh, no, I was praying the Spirit. You're not even conscious of the fact that your spirit's thinking and you're busy doing something else. So I'm going to stop right here and tell you a story. I went in, and I wished I hadn't done this. I went in, um, when I got AFib, they wanted to kick my heart back into rhythm, so they knocked me out. Now, your brain can be knocked out and your spirit not. Did you know that? So they knocked me out, and when they brought me back to, they said to me, do you speak Spanish? I said, un poquito, you know, a little. Why? He said, they said, you talked a foreign language nonstop the whole time we had you out. So I'm laying in there in the room, and I'm praying out loud in tongue. And they're working on me. My spirit is praying. My head, they, they done dealt with this. They, bam, we got that. They said, we disconnected your head. But we don't know how you did that. I said, well, it, it, no, it wasn't Spanish. What language was it? I said, quite frankly, I don't know. I told them tongues and that didn't mean anything to them. But I thought, isn't it amazing how your spirit man, they can't knock him out. He can still be rattling along out there, you know. And they're like, well, we don't know what you said, but you sure were enjoying yourselves while you were out, you know. So anyway, having said that, that's not part of my sermon. That's free. All right, 1 Peter 5, it says, cast all your cares. So, so I, I wished I could tell you that I learned all this in Bible school. And then uh, one day I read the scripture and I did it. That'd be a lie. Learning to not worry has been a process of time. And even though you say, well, I'm not worried about it, it's amazing how much you are constantly trying to help God with a frown. And, and you see it on your face when you walk in. You're like, how you doing? Good. Yeah, you're worried about something. Something ain't going right. So I'm going to tell you part of my story. Um, when I married Lisa, uh, boy, I got to back up again, but I'll come back. I'm going to go back further in time later. 
after Lisa and I were married, before that I was a youth pastor um, at Tom Copeland's church, uh, Faith Creation Fellowship. And I, Lisa, I knew that I knew that I knew I have a call of God on my life. Mm-hmm. I know I have a call of God. And Lisa knows I have a call of God on my life. And she married me because I have a call of God on my life. And so therefore, there was a certain percentage of me that felt like I needed to go do ministry, right? And you and see, when people walk in, they, they walk in the church, they I have a call of God on my life. I watch them because I watch them for a while because they start, they called themselves or they are going to be like uh, Abraham, and they're going to help God. Now, and, and that's what I did. That's what I did. And so right after that, I decided that I needed, I needed to be in ministry. So Lisa and I started a ministry called Wings of Freedom. We got a newsletter. We got a, a computer, an 8086. Do you all remember? Glorifying typewriters, all it was. And uh, it cost me $1,500 for the computer. And we got a 501c3. We got everything we needed. And that year, I got three places to preach. One of them was a halfway house where they didn't, not, no one took up an offering, which meant that at the end of the year, I'm supernaturally broke. The, now, you, you have no idea how frustrating it is. To know you have a call and to try to make it happen. Well, one church I went to uh, was in South Okoy, and I I got to preaching, and the anointing hit me, and it got so strong on me that I began to pray for every teenager in the building. I had a a boy with deaf ears open, his ears opened in that service. I got so far in the spirit that I finished at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday morning. When I finished preaching, I turned to Lisa, and I looked out over the crowd, and the building was empty, except for the people. And I said to Lisa, where did everybody go? I had no idea that anybody had left, but we had so many kids born again, filled with the Holy Ghost and healed. The anointing was so strong but everyone went home except for the people that were there. I had no idea, no offering. I went to a halfway house and preached. A uh, bunch of people got born again. Uh, when I got done, everybody got up and left, and they didn't even say goodbye. Now, how do you think I feel? I, I'm a year into this. I've done newsletters, I've done everything I know to be a preacher and I haven't even gotten on first base. And the few people who let me come preach didn't like me. I'm not what they were looking for. And so at the end of all of this, reading my Bible one day and I made the statement, I will never the longest day I live ask anybody to preach. If God, now this is me, this is me. This is the vow I made. This, is, this was something I had to do because whether I wanted to admit it or not, 
I'm trying to put me in ministry. Now, this is a, we, we, all, we all have areas that we do this. There's something, and we're going to help God. So I, I, I went to God, and I heard Kenneth Copeland do this, and I did it. I says, if anyone asks me, it'll be because they asked me, and if you aren't big enough to put me in ministry, I'm never going. Now, that's what the scripture means when it says cast all your cares. We think it just means a bad day. No, that's the whole, that's all, everything that's on my heart that's concerning me. I had to lay it on the altar to God. Right. Now, think about what I just said. Because that's big to me, to be in ministry. And for me to do that, so... So anyway, it wasn't long after that, Tom Copeland invited me to come preach Wednesday, Wednesday night. And I had been reading 1 Peter 5, 7 and meditating on this. And I got up there and I said, tonight's sermon is called, I don't care. Whole world's going to hell and I don't care. You're dying, I don't care. But I was preaching on, I don't have a care. And I had begun to meditate on the fact that God wants me carefree. And so, so anyway, it wasn't long after that, maybe a month later, Lisa could tell you, maybe two. Uh, Joe Hurston, I got a phone call from a guy named Joe Hurston and wanted to know if I wanted to come and work with Air Mobile Ministries. I thought, well, okay. And to go on a crusade to the Bahamas. And I think Jody went on one of those crusades once. Well, when I went over, now remember this, I'm not going to tell them I'm called. I'm not telling them I can preach. I'm not telling them nothing. Now listen to me carefully. If he's not, if, if he's God, and he better be God. This decision has been one of the best things I ever did in my life. Quit trying to make stuff happen. So they asked me to come and do a crusade and when I got there, they taught me how to run a projector. That's now in now the Jesus film. If you've never seen them, show the Jesus film. They come in four reels, and they have two projectors set up, and we put a daylight screen in a field, and the sun goes down, and we go into the local village, and we invite all the people, and they gather in the field at night, and we turn on the Jesus film, which lasts three hours. It's 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes. At the end of it, someone stands up and gives an altar call. My job is to load the, the, the reel on the camera, keep the generator running, keep it full of gas, keep it, there's a Honda generator back there that barely makes any noise with a big long extension cord and it's running the board. I'm in there running the sound and, and when you're in, in, in Haiti, it's in Creole and that's where I, that's where I learned tout moun, tout moun, mon from Jesus in the Jesus film. Anyway, uh, listen to Jesus preach in, to the Haitians. Haitian people are wonderful people to watch when they're watching the film. So uh, I'd go around Bahamas and Haiti and all over the Caribbean and show the Jesus film. We'd fly airplanes in, unload all the equipment, and I'm a grunt. That means I fly the slowest airplane, I haul all the junk, all the people get there, they get the best beds, and I sleep in the church on a pad. And I mean, it's like Jesus had no place to lay his head, I didn't either. <laughs> had no place. I never once said, I want this, I want that, do this for me. Never. So I'm out there doing the, doing the film, and I got a camera, I got a film over here, and I know when I'm watching the film, 
when the end of it comes. And Jesus says this, and turn off and turn on. And you'd never, and I was, I was so good. You would never know that Jesus changed except for the fact that he might go, I tell you. Okay. Then another film would go, and the people sitting out there watching, and then I would take this film off, box it up, or I'd rewind it, and I'd box it up, and I'd put the third one on, and the fourth one. At the end of the fourth one, Joe or Roland or someone would come and find someone to give an altar call. Now, they never asked me, do I care? I don't care. Why? I don't have any cares. Right? I have no care. I don't have a care. You're either God or other. So you hear me say, there is a God and I'm not him. That's where that statement came from. They're here God. I'm not God. I'm out of this. My hands are off of it. I don't worry about it. And I do that with a lot of people because I want to fix them. I'm talking to y'all right now. You want to fix them, folks, and you go, you better shut up and leave it alone. All right. So one night... The, I, I'm there, and I'm sitting there running the equipment, and the Lord says, they're going to ask you to preach tonight. And I went, I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> and so I watched Joe walk up to one of the preachers from South Florida and said, I want you to do the altar call tonight. And I'm going, <laughs> that's funny. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching to see what God does. I'm going, that, you just said I'm preaching, and Joe just said, Joe is. I don't know, remember, you, what do you remember the guy's name that he asked? So anyway, he t- the guy looks at me and says, Morgan, I don't got nothing. You got anything? And I went, oh, he told you to do it. He said, I don't have anything. I said, I don't care. He told you to do it. You get that microphone, you get yourself up there, and you give an altar call. And I backed away. I'm, I'm going to make it as hard on God as I can. <laughs> Y'all see what I, I'm trying to see whether I need to always stick my nose in everything. Do you all understand this? Because that's where worry comes. Worry comes from the fact that you're, I know you said you do it, God, but that's, that's where, that's what, that's what bites you, you know, okay. So anyway, he, he, he's over there and he says, hey, everybody enjoy the film. And he turns to me and says, would you at least pray? And I said, I'll pray, I'll pray, I'll pray. And, he, and I walk up there and I'm, and I'm standing right next to him and he says, Morgan got something to say, hand me the mic and he ran. So I'm standing out there with a mic in my hand and the Holy Ghost hit me and, and I gave an altar call about five minutes. I just, John 3, 16, Roman 10, 9 and 10, I just preached the gospel with all of my might. I got pictures I gave Justin the other day. One day I'm going to pop them on the screen. Um, the people ran in the crowd, ran up to the front, knelt down and got born again. Uh, people started getting filled with the Holy Ghost. I jumped on a school bus now, please don't get mad at me if you're of, of African-American descent. I'm not. When you, when you have a school bus full of black children, you can't see them. Okay. At night. And so I'm, 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 I'm looking for heads. I'm going, there's a head. There's a head. There's a head. And I can see outlines on the bus. But I laid hands on every kid in that bus. When I left, everyone, I'm speaking in tongues. I jumped out and ran through the field with my arms out, and everybody I hit fell out in the power and started talking in tongues. Wow. So when I got back with my altar call, Roland Yates was a pilot that flew a Navajo 
and worked with Joe, and he had a Burger King, Burger King, a whole bunch of Burger Kings, and he went, you could preach. How come you never told us? I said, well, you never asked. <laughs> that night they gave me Air Mobile Ministries, wow. and I ran it from then until I left. Now, you understand, listen, when God wants you to do something, he'll put you in it. You, you don't need, you, I, when the Bible says, now see, let, let me go back over the scripture again, in, in, because this is, what I'm reading to you, I want, what I'm trying to do right now is make this scripture, one scripture, very, very real to you, so that you know what you're saying when you wake up in the morning. But look at this one. God resists the proud, and he gives grace to who? Humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. He'll exalt you in due time. Cast all your cares on the Lord. So, so being humble is very, very important in order to cast the care on God. Because in other words, humble means you're under God. You're, you're under Him. He's the boss and you're not the boss. So if He's the boss, let Him be the boss. So if you want to go up, go down and let Him take you up. And if you take you up, you got to keep you up. And so you have no idea how sweet it is in life to go through life knowing I don't have a, I don't have a worry in the world. If God wants me to do something, he's going to open the door. He's going to pay the bills. I don't have to worry about that. I sleep at night. Now, y'all have no idea how many people lay awake at night. Well, what are we going to do? 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 You are running your life. Why don't you go to God and go, if I'm not doing what you want me to do, I'll do something else. If this falls apart, hallelujah. Amen. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. Boy, that's good preaching if I don't say so myself. So I got another story I got to tell you. I got another one I got to tell Well, no, I can't. I got to read this. Got to read. I read stories every once in a while. Uh, and man, do they, do they have a massive impact on my soul. And, and we, we use this book in the, in the Bible school, and, I, and, and when I gave it to the, all the students, they looked at it and went, oh my God, no, that thing's huge. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If you read just a chapter every week, man, your whole life will change. Anyway, I want to read a story here um, uh, from John G. Lake. Anyway, Stephen Merritt was a godly old undertaker in the city of New York. His dear old wife and he lived a godly life. They raised one son, and that son was a reprobate if there ever was one, Charlie. Charlie would, got, would get into most disreputable affairs, and the, the police would come and say, Charlie did so-and-so. It's going to take so much money to get him out of the difficulty. I'll tell you right now, I'd have left him alone and let him eat it. Never mind. Talk about kids on another night. Don't empower them to be wrong. They get in jail, visit them. But don't go get them out. Boy, that went over real well. When I was in jail, I called my dad. I hadn't talked to him. He said, you got in, get out. Well, I thought, you mean son of a gun. My, my stepmother said that when he hung up the phone, he began to cry. He said, ah, you have no idea how bad I want to go get him. But I know I can't. I know I'm more. I got saved because he left me there. Okay. Before you think you're helping people. 
You're enabling them to be that. The next week, another one came along with something else, and it went on and on. And two old gray hairs were praying and pouring their tears into that boy for his salvation. Stephen Merritt had a habit of receiving people in his office and helping them. John Woolley was one he helped. He handed Woolley $5 and says, you meet me such and such a Camp Brown. Woolley was a drunkard. He had not been accustomed to being trusted with money, and he met the old man, and he found God and got saved. One day as he sat in the office praying about his son and the floor was wet with tears, he heard the voice of the Lord and said, How long are you trying to save Charlie? Many of us are trying to save Charlie. And we have gotten in the way of the Lord, and he says, Long time, Lord. And the Lord said, Well, if you're through, I will undertake. And the old man considered, and he worked it out in his soul this way. The police came and said, Charlie did so and so. And he said, Who's Charlie? Why, he's your son. No, I have no son named Charlie. That day he knelt there. He said, Lord, he's not my son anymore, and I give him to you until he's saved. Let me stop in the story. He's got to get his hand off. Now, this may sound extreme. I don't have a son named Charlie. But he had carried the weight of this so long that he had to do that to give him to God. In other words, listen to me. There's things you can't fix. There are people you can't fix. And you carry it around like you don't. Shouldn't we care? Yeah. But if it's changing your face, it didn't care. It's pride. I'm going to fix this. No, you are not. So can you trust God? Will he do what he said? Did you know that you won't cast the care on God unless you do trust him? Did you know you won't do it? You say, I'm having a hard time. That's because you don't believe that he do what he said. That's all. All it is is I don't believe God cares about what I prayed about. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You live carefree, you're going to be happy when everybody hates you. You're going to be happy at high, in your house when everybody's mad. And you're going to be happy even when your husband's in a bad mood. And you're going to go, what's wrong with you? Nothing, baby. I'm having a great day. I don't have a care in the world. What would you like for breakfast? You don't want breakfast? Then fix it yourself. I'm leaving. I'm having a good day. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, people do things to control you. Pouting. Oh, let's just stay on this. Pouting, pouting, pout. You you ain't fixing them. They're going to pout until the day they die if you keep it up. They ain't never going to quit pouting until you quit giving in to their pouting. All right. I have no son named Charlie. That day he knelt there and he said, Lord, he's not my son anymore. I give him to you until he's saved. He told the police, I don't have a son. They looked at him, they shook their head, and they sent another officer and No one was able to go into him anymore, and it looked as if the old man had gone slap crazy. Nine months passed, and one day an officer came and says, Charlie jumped off the Brooklyn Bridge. I think he's finished. He wanted the old man to have the river dragged to obtain the body, and he said, no, I don't have a son named Charlie. Drag the river if you want to. They dragged the river, but the body was found was not Charlie's. 
Three months passed, and one day a clerk said, there's someone, a friend of yours, in the office, dressed and clean-faced. Uh, he said, and when he came into his office, it was Charlie. He was beautifully dressed, clean-faced, everything indicating the light of God on his face. And when the old father came in, the son fell at his feet and kissed him, asked his dad to forgive him. He said, three months ago, I was saved in a mission. I didn't want to come see you until I came as a man. Now, let me tell you something, a powerful story. But I mean, I don't think God, listen, listen to what I'm going to say right now. If you have it, he doesn't. If you're worrying, God don't got it. Can I read one more? I'm going to anyway. Not only is it your prayers for others, but your prayers for yourself. Some of you hold known to your sickness or your difficulty with such a clutch. You are everlastingly conscious of it. God can't even get it out of your hands. You're in the very place spiritually where old Stephen Merritt was. He was so determined to save his boy, he was going to do it himself. And God didn't have a chance. Open your hands. Let go of the difficulty. I was praying for a woman who had appendicitis. As I prayed, I saw she was holding on to it so hard I had to do something. I told her one of the craziest stories I ever told. And she bust out laughing in spite of the pain. The pain. And when she got through laughing, the pain was gone. She had opened her clutch, wow. her fist. Maybe you're holding to sin with the same clutch. Maybe you're holding to disobedience with the same clutch. Maybe it's sickness. So there's something that's keeping you from being blessed. So let clear go and let your hands and heart wide open. When I was a boy, I used to visit the sew locks of St. Salt Marie, Michigan, where my home was. One day, a sailor was up in the mast, and he lost balance, and he fell over the ship into the water. Another state sailor stood on the railing of the ship and watched him. He went down, and he came up. He went down again and came up. Everything around him was foam all around, and still the fellow stood there. And finally, the chap went down for the third time, limp. And just disappeared. He shot down in the water and came up. A couple of the gentlemen, oh, the chap, when the chap went down, the, the sailor on the ship dove in the water, disappeared under the water and came up. A couple of the gentlemen were standing by said, that fellow has taken men out of the water before. He has to wait until all the kick is out of them. Otherwise, they'll both be drowned. Wow. Yeah. Now, I, I read that to you because sometimes God is waiting for you to quit kicking. It's not that he didn't care about you. It's just that you're so frantic. So Brother Hagen said he wore all of the varnish off the bed trying to stay alive. What's he doing? He's worrying himself to death. Worry will kill you. When Lisa was in the bed uh, dealing with what she's dealing with, I walked in one day and I looked at her and I said, you know, you got to get over the fear of dying. Well, that didn't go over real well at first. Because it's almost like, well, if you die, you die. But until she conquered the fear of dying, she wasn't going to be able to live. And she told me later, she said, that's one of the best things you said. Because she had to lay there in that bed and go, I'm just going to quit worrying about it. Worrying doesn't fix anything. It actually will make it worse. All right, I got another story. 
You heard me tell the story one time. Um, when, when I worked with Tom Copeland, I'm the youth pastor. Now, I want you to get in my mind for a moment and, and think about what it's like to get born again, leave everything, move to Oklahoma to go to Bible school. I mean, you, you, you have no idea. I literally walked away from everything and worked for two years for $20 a day to go to school. That's, to me, that's, that's, that's quite a, that's huge. After that, I left, I came here to Orlando in obedience to God, and I became a youth pastor, and the youth group grew. Kids were born again. I, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, I was in, I never missed. I never missed. During this time, my marriage is falling apart now, what do you do? Well, you, you certainly aren't going to st stop obeying God. I wasn't. So I've already got enough trouble, but I'm believing God that my wife will get right with God. I'm believing God, but it didn't happen. The thing which I so greatly feared happened. So she ended up leaving. I ended up finding out about another guy. And the Lord told me, says, sign the papers and cut this off. But churches don't understand that. They had no idea what was going on because I never told them. Right. So being Tom was old church of God, you know what that means? You don't get a divorce. That's like the sin of sins. Some of y'all weren't, weren't not raised Pentecostal, were you? You don't. Okay. So they came and kindly asked me to step down. Now think about this for a minute. I got her income gone. I got the, the, it wasn't an income from the church, but they paid the rent on the house, which was the youth center, and now that's gone. I have no wife. I have no children. I have no church. I have no friends. And because I'm serving God? Right. How do you think I felt? This, this is where obeying you got me, yeah. alone, broke, no food and no money and a job that it has to be a sunny day in order to make any money. If it rains, I'm home and not, I make no money when it rains. And so it's a Thursday afternoon. They're sending me home. Friday's going to be raining. I've got to have this paycheck. I'm already behind on my bills. Do you think I'm a little worried? Yeah, I am. I'm driving down I drive, and y'all heard me tell the story of the little creature, and I'm not going to tell it to you again because so many of you have heard it, so many say it so many times. But I'm driving down I drive, and I come up, um, I drive to 434, I think, I think, where it turned right and goes down to Martin Marietta and turns left, goes to Pine Hills. And I'm sitting at the traffic light, and I, t I said, God, I mean, I I'm serious. I mean, it, it looks to me like even you don't care. I mean, it, it, this is it? I mean, I'm, not, I'm having a bad day. I'm going home to a refrigerator with a little bit of ketchup and a little bit of mustard and no money. No food. 
and I'm a believer, and I preach in prosperity and faith and blessing, and I'm, my whole life is upside down. This ain't working. Boy, is the devil on me. And I, and I just cried out to God, and I said, I don't care if you chew me out. Say something. And he said, want to hear a story? And he told me the story of the little creature. And he said, I want you to worship me. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. I stopped right there, and I said, I have no I don't put me in ministry. I don't have to make something happen. I don't have to meet my needs. And I got out of my car and danced in the rain. <laughs> now, I told you all this one time. You see me dancing? It might not be because everything's going right. That's true. It might be because all hell broke loose. That's right. I don't wait to rejoice in the Lord when things are going good. Right. I, I'm going to rejoice when things are good, bad, and ugly. Now listen to me, what I'm going to say. He's either God or he isn't. I got in my car and I went home. I can't tell you how he did it. I, 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 don't, I don't know. But I'll tell you the next thing that happened. I'll tell you the next thing that happened. Lisa and I were dating. And I got home and I told her my cry story. And she said, are you tithing? I said, well, I haven't in a while. She said, well, I won't marry a man that doesn't tithe. I went, well, Darren, you're leaving too. <laughs> and I decided, since I'm already broke, might as well. <laughs> what a great time to start tithing when you ain't got a dime. 10% of my paycheck took it to a church that didn't want me there. Y'all think that it's... If you're going to live for God, the devil's going to make sure you have trouble. All right, just mark it. you got a target on your chest. I don't know how I got out of all of that. I don't know what he did, but within a couple of weeks, all my bills were caught up, and, and Lisa and I began to plan for our marriage. And that was right. That was at the time right there. See, I told this story second, and the other one I should have told him in order. That Air Mobile Ministry asked me to start flying with them. Someone started giving me $50 a month to go and preach. And from there, in Haiti, the Lord said, take this church. And he opened the door to Word of Life. Now, I'm going to tell you the story of Word of Life now. We were in the shopping center. Debbie remembers it. Melanie and all of them are out with, you know, uh, Mark Hankins right now. Bless them, Jesus, help them out. Someone's got to stay with you guys, Amen. So when they asked me to pastor, the Lord said to me in Haiti, you are the next pastor of the church. Mm-hmm. So Jody remembers this. Jody was there. So Bill came to me and said, now these are his words, we know you are not called to pastor. I said, you're right, I'm not. I, he said, we are looking for someone to take this church. I said, well, keep looking because I'm not him. Now, now y'all would think, that no, 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 no. You tell them what God said. No, I'm not telling them nothing God said. If God ain't big enough to be God, I don't want to serve a God that ain't big enough to be God. 
So they came and said, we've got men we're trying out. Every one of them wanted the pulpit so bad they were willing to do anything to get that job. Except me. I don't want it. I really didn't want it. I was sort of hoping that it really would fail. Now, it's not that I don't love y'all. But I already know I'm double D. I, every, people come to me and they go, Pastor Morgan, you're raw. And I'm going, what does that mean I'm raw? Oh, you're real. Okay, that's supposed to be in fake. I, I, don't, I don't, see, I am, remember Popeye, I am what I am and who I am, I am what I am. I, I, I tried to preach like Joel Osteen one day. It, 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 I, I don't even know how to not be double D. I, I don't know how. So I think God made a mistake, and many people do. Many people agree with that. You are just, I've had to prove I'm a pastor. I had to pull my card out before and prove I'm a pastor. So you are not a pastor. So I'm kind of hoping that it really fails and prove to God, ha, ha, ha. Because in, in one sense, when you, when you preach to sinners, sinners can't help being immoral and full of the devil. And I understand sinners. See, when you, people come in here and they, and they look like hell, I like them. Because I know exactly what that's like. Probation, kicked out of a city, thrown in prison. I've been through everything. You know, you name it. So, so I actually like preaching to sinners better than I do Christians because Christians, they're just trouble. I mean, it's every week. I mean, and they're called and they're not called and they're supposed to be working in this area and they don't want to work in that area and they come to church and then they don't come to church and then they say they're going to work in the nursery and you never see them again and they lie through their teeth. Christians are not real easy. And you're talking about, I knew I was going to have to get a love walk if I ever was going to pastor because, man, the sinners, you just you blow in, blow up, and blow out. And they like you. You get to fly airplanes and pretend like you're Kenneth Copeland. And when you leave, everybody loves you. And when you pastor a while, they're like, oh, hi, Daryl. Well, anyway, never mind. So I told them, don't ask me. And, I, and I'm going to bring up Marshall May. Some of y'all don't know who Marshall is. So they would call me and say, we, we don't have anybody for next Sunday. Would you fill in? And they gave me 50 bucks. Now, I'm, I'm getting my pilot's license at this time. And see, you can rent an airplane for $28 an hour, and the instructor's $10 an hour, and you always fly like an hour and 15, five minutes or 10 minutes, or you always go over some. So 50, 50 bucks always covers pretty much an hour of flight with a little bit of money left over. And so I'm, I'm wanting the $50. I don't care anything about what they've asked me. I just want the money. I just give me the money. Give me the money. I'll preach a sermon to you. I remembered, and Jody remembers this. We were over there in um, that little itty bitty church one day, and I think um, Matthew Brabham got saved, and um, name the rest of them. I mean, the whole May clan got born again. Yeah, Matthew and 
Michael and I mean, I called them up in the front and said, are y'all saved? And they went, you want us to say right now? I said, absolutely, either turn or burn right now, front row, everybody. And I mean, I made them all get born again, whether they wanted to or not. You're going to turn and say, I don't believe in Jesus, right here in front of God and everybody. Well, anyway, so, so, so they asked me, and I would preach, and next week they wouldn't call me, and I'm fine with that, and then I'd get money. So finally, they said, well, we're just going to use you as we look. Well, I started noticing that they stopped bringing people in. And I'm like, um, are y'all looking? And Marshall goes, yeah, we're looking. Have you found anybody? Not yet. And every Sunday, finally it kind of dawned on me. I said, I, I, the writing's on the wall. You're it tag, you're the pastor. And so I, I remember one Sunday I got up and I went in there and I said, Lord, what do you want me to preach on? He said, I want you to teach them what the office of a pastor is. Yeah. I said, well, I don't know. He said, well, sit down. I'm going to show you. <laughs> so anyway, so, so do you understand what I did? We've had times in this church where things did not go well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it bothered me? Not as much as you'd think. Because I already know he started the church, he wants it to go, and he put me here. And, and that takes the fight out of me. And people come up to me and they'd get in a fight with me and i go, whatever. And i just go back and do my job and leave them alone because I don't have to, I don't have to fight for position. I can stay down here. I don't, need, I don't need to climb a ladder. Does that make sense? So when you, when you hear me make the statement, I, I don't have a care. Listen, I, I mean it with all of my heart. I have learned this life. I don't worry about my money. I don't worry about finances. I don't worry about the economy. I don't worry about Trump. I don't worry about Biden. I don't worry about the rapture. I don't worry about anything. If he has me here, I'm going to be here. If he said he'd meet all of my needs and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging bread, I don't have a care in the world. I will be eating. We will be fine. We are blessed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let me tell you another thing because I'm talking about church right now. There's times when we'll have a whole band and the next month there's three people. You know how I pray? That's your band. Can you not find anybody? Ain't my, pro ain't my problem. Nursery, uh, you ought to be able to at least find one person to run it in the hall of Orlando, God. I mean, you really ought to be able to find one. I'm just going to give it to you. Don't worry about this. I mean, bring the kids in. Get Lisa up there with guitar and sing Kumbaya and I'll preach. I don't care. But see, living like that keeps me out of stress. Stress will kill you. What are you going to do? 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 Nothing. Now, I don't mean that I'm negligent of my duties. I'm not telling you I'm lazy. I don't pray for money and not go to work. I get up and go to work. If I don't have a job, I find one. Amen? And I find the best one I can get. And I do the best I know. And God better be God. 
Kenneth Hagin said one time, there was a million dollars behind on Ramah. Million. And he went to the Lord and he said, if you don't pay your bills, I'm going to go and tell everybody that I meet that you cannot pay your own bill. He said, I didn't want to start Ramah. You asked me to do it. It is your school. Now you are a million in the hole. In Jesus' name, I'm going to sleep. Amen. And he said the money came in. Now, you know, if you have, if God gives you a million dollar job, apparently he's got a million dollars somewhere. But if he doesn't give you a million dollar job, you've got to come up with that money. Now, you know why some preachers are in trouble. There's a scripture that says, unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain that build it. I would not touch a church that he didn't ask me to pastor. I won't do it. Because if he ain't in it, I ain't, I ain't touching this. That's powerful. But see, a lot of people are out trying to make something happen. And I watch them and go, well, they're setting up for failure. Okay, Psalm 32. Let's go over to look at some Psalms, and I'm going to try to close. All we're doing, I just did one scripture, and I'd like to do some of the other ones. Number five, he delivered me from the power of darkness, and he placed me into the kingdom of the son of his love. I don't need deliverance. He's already placed me. He has delivered me from every demon in hell. I don't have a, I don't need deliverance. I don't need someone laying hands on me and cast the devil out of me. I resist him. He's already delivered me from hell and I don't have a problem with hell and I'm in the kingdom of the son of God and I'm already the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right, now go to Psalm. Anyway, I'm trying to preach in two sermons at once, ain't I? Ain't I? Aren't I? Lisa taught me English. In case you think it's not too good, it used to be worse. We first started dating, she, she had her hands full. She had to teach me all kinds of new words. It was Lisa that I found out that, that Pacific was an ocean. I told her one day I was going to do a Pacific thing, and she goes, a Pacific thing? I said, Paci- yeah, Pacific. She goes, honey, Pacific's an ocean. It's specific. I went, oh, I I never heard that word in my whole life. (laughs) I went home to Georgia and found out everybody says the word Pacific. I said, y'all learned me wrong, by God. I went wrong right there. Okay, Psalm 32, verse 7. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Now, you know, Lisa and I, this morning when we were having our Bible time, uh, she got the song out from the, what was the, the hiding place and played on the piano. And I just sat and sang the song for a while. Beautiful song. But now he is, say this, he's my hiding place. He'll preserve me from trouble. Yeah, he will. He'll take care of me. He'll take care of you, Zach. Let's look at another one, Psalm 55, 22. Just a few more along the same lines, 55, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord. He shall sustain you. 
he will never permit the righteous to be moved. Say, I don't have a care. Say, nothing will happen to me that God won't take care of me. That feels good, doesn't it? I just, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. 56.3. Turn the page. 56.3. Whenever I'm afraid, I'll trust in you. When I'm afraid. I want to tell you another story. Verse, let me read 11 and I'll tell it to you. In God I put my trust. I'll not be afraid of what man can do to me. We live in a dog-eat-dog world. Soon, I'm going to get in this pulpit and talk about the Antichrist, not the man but the spirit, Amen. the spirit in the world, yeah. the antichrist spirit. that is. People are bad, yeah. and they don't care. They'll fire you in a nanosecond and ship you down the road, and they lie. They, people do all kinds of stuff. Jordan called me and Lisa one day, me and his mom, and said, you know, everybody doesn't believe like we do. And I said, Jordan, we have noticed that. It was him that was first learning it, you know. Um, he grew up in a charismatic home and praying in the Holy Ghost and believing God. And when he stepped out in the world one day, he was kind of in for a shock, like, there's bad people out here. So when he started his trucking business, it took him a while to quit trusting everybody. They're after, num they're after the number one. So I'm working at a job in, in Winter Park. And I, I got to tell you, I kind of helped get fired, sort of. I have a bad habit of singing when I'm happy. <laughs> and I'm in a school that has the top brass of the whole United States going to it at 3500 a week in Winter Park called, um, uh, what is it called? Philip Crosby and Associates, and they're teaching excellence uh, how to run a business, how to, how to top. I mean, we're talking the, the generals there from the Army. The, the, the CEO of Ford is there. Everybody who's anybody is in this school, and I'm the bus driver. And I'm out making my bus, and, and I'm sitting at a desk, and they're in there teaching, and I would begin to sing. And, and I have a bad habit of singing loud, even though I really think I'm quiet and I'll be singing like, this is the day that the Lord has made. And my voice is carrying, and the teacher steps out the door and opens it and goes, please shut up. And I'm going, what? You're singing again. I went, oh. And so he'd close the door, and I'd go, okay, help me, help me not sing, help me not sing. I'd pray in spirit. Next thing you know, I'd be humming. <laughs> anyway, I, didn't, I wasn't doing it on purpose, but I'm honest to God, I did sing under my breath, and, that, and apparently that was loud. So when it came, you know what a layoff is? It's when they get rid of people I don't like. So one day, they got a big, they're having a problem with the school, and there's a big layoff, and, and there's a whole bunch of us sitting out on the chairs, and everybody that goes in is going, what's happening, what's happening? And everybody that comes out is crying. I'm going, I don't know what's going on in there, but everybody comes out. I mean, and especially all the women. Oh, I love Ouija. Oh, 
tears, makeup smeared down their face. I'm going, well, I don't know what's going on in there, but I think we're all getting fired. So yeah. my turn brought me in. And, and they, I, I felt like I was in a funeral home. Now, Daryl. And they start telling me all the good things about me, and I'm going, cut to the chase. Well, we're laying off. And they start pretending like they're crying. But I'm not crying. I'm going, glory. I said, hallelujah. And then the guy looked at me and said, I, no, I think you misunderstood. He said, we're having to let you go. I went, I heard you. <laughs> I said, I heard you loud and clear. I said, listen, gentlemen, let me tell you all a little secret. I said, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, my God meets all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I was looking when I found this job, and I'll have a job before the sun comes up in the morning. Because Mark 11, 23 and 24 says, I can have what I say. I shook their hands and I said, you know, and one of them's driving a brand new Cadillac, and I, and I wanted to look and go, you could sell your Cadillac and keep about half of us. But never mind, it was that. That's called, don't be a smart aleck. Anyway, so I got up and walked out. Tom Copeland worked there, and he came back and said, you created a buzz because you were the only one left happy. I said, well, what was I going to be sad about, getting laid off? I didn't like that job anyway. Oh, stuffy shirt, rich, stick-in-the-mud people that don't like my singing. Anyway, <laughs> the other reason they let me go, and I probably should have used some wisdom. I'm the bus driver. Every time we would get a new batch, they would ask me where the strip joints were. I'm the wrong guy to ask that question. So I used it as a time to witness. I said, I don't have any idea where the strip joints are, but while y'all are in town, I could recommend three or four really good churches. All right. I kind of knew that later that had something to do with my demise. Yeah. Never mind. It's okay. Never mind, y'all. <laughs> I've been laid off a couple of jobs because I was too vocal about Jesus. But I think they needed to hear about Jesus. Amen. Right. You know, I've even, they don't know nobody, I've never been fired from this one. People just leave. We just walk out. Say, I don't have a care. Say, I refuse to worry about anything. Say, if God is God, he's got it. I'm not God. Now, I'm giving you these scriptures because I want you to do something. Take these papers home. Bring them back next week. If not, then I'll give you another set for five bucks. I want you to get in the habit of putting that in your mouth. Get, start, start tomorrow with at least cast your cares on the Lord and do everything in your power to do it for the next, what, 30 days. Is that fair? Is that fair? Yes. Wake up in the morning and go, I don't have a care. I don't have a care. I, gave, I, don't, have any, I don't have a worry in the world. Nothing's going to happen to me today me and God can't handle. And I refuse. I refuse to worry about anything. Amen. Now you'll be tempted. You'll be in the middle of the day going, and you'll be going, oh, what was that scripture he said? I don't worry about nothing. But you can train yourself. Now I'm going to tell you this. We don't have time to get into it right now. 
You know how to know that you're not worrying? Your frown is upside down. Get your face and straighten it out. Right off the bat, go, hallelujah. Because if you look in the mirror and that person is ugly, you're worried about something. You, there's something going on in your head that you don't need to be thinking about. Now, you're, gonna, you're not going to get this in a week or two. Brother Hagin said he never in his life conquered it completely. That means that we always, so every day, I, I go, I won't worry. Well, Lisa and I wake up in the morning and we go, God, the situation with our kids, we give it to you. Grandkids, give it to you. Church, we cast the care of it over on you. We'll do what we can. We give you glory. We pray. We pray. We seek God. We do what we're supposed to do. And then we lay it on the altar and we look at one another and say, let's have breakfast. And we will not, we don't have a care in the world. And sometimes you're thinking, there better be a God. <laughs> Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to walk in here and share some of the stories that I've been through, some of the stuff I've been through in my life where I, I've learned to trust you. And I'll say this in front of them. You've never let me down. I have never had a time I've given you anything that you didn't fix it better than it was before. Not one time in 45 years would I look back and say, you did not come through. And I pray they leave tonight with that on their mind. You will never leave them. You will never forsake them. You care about them. And they can live carefree. In Jesus' name. I'll see you Sunday morning. God bless all of you. I pray the rain is let up a little bit so y'all can get out of here. Without we hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com from our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember... Our pastor's vision is this, we grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.